What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> All right, let's kick it off. I'm Chase Winninger, sitting down with Lee McClellan, co-host. How is everybody? They can't answer, Lee. It's a podcast. <laughs> and then uh, Gabe Jenkins, deer and elk program coordinator. That's right, isn't it? That's right. Thanks for having me on. Uh-huh. So what exactly, so deer and elk program coordinator, the way I look at it, the, the way I think of it, because I've never actually asked you what you officially do, I just know your job title and know we talked to you about all the deer and elk stuff, but, so you're basically the biologist that oversees the deer program, right? Right, yeah, so I'm the the head biologist in the program, we've got a handful of folks in their field, but, but yeah, that's... that's and then all the data comes to you, and so you see all the numbers and you kind of make recommendations for changes? Right, so, you know, we have, like I said, we have a whole team of biologists underneath of me that we all work on either deer or elk or some of us both. So we're working with our field staff, being in the field ourselves, collecting all the data, analyzing it, speaking to our hunters and trying to make recommendations to the commission on what we think is the best step forward in, in deer and elk management. I gotcha. And you probably already knew most of that, right, Lee? You've been around a lot longer than I have. So. Yes, I have. So you guys, have you written articles together? Just we've worked on several pieces together. And you wrote the press release for the changes we're going to talk about today. Uh, yes. Like we can, I, we can, that was more of a group effort, but I was one of the people on the group effort. So you're on the, the front edge. Actually, you know, those changes, when they came about, I hadn't heard anything about them. And I saw them on Facebook, which I hate to say, <laughs> but I did. And then I actually emailed Gabe about it. I said, is there any truth to this? And then I got your press release or your all's press release about an hour later. So Facebook, man, I got the news through Facebook before I got it through the which is crazy. But I guess people go to the commission meetings. They're open for the public. Right. And a lot of times when we propose stuff, I mean, as we say it, it's going out on Facebook yeah. way quicker than what we can ever get stuff like yeah. that out because we're government. We're slow. I'd say as soon as that vote went through and it was approved by, by our board, or is it, yeah, our commission board would mm -hmm. basically be what it is. Yes. I'd say it was probably already out there in public knowledge. And the news comes, right? There's some news agencies that come to the commission meetings? Upon occasion, yes. Yeah. And, and it's good to know that, that we're at the beginning of the process. Yeah. Then it goes to the legislature, and all of our regulations have to go through the legislature and be approved by legislators before they become law. So where are these new changes are at right now, which we'll get to in a second. We probably need to go over them because I don't even know if I know all the changes. There's a bunch of bullet points here in front of me. I, I think I kind of got the general idea, like the gist of it. Mm -hmm. The ones that are important to me, at least, I definitely know. But like I, I don't necessarily hunt zone four, so I might not be as up to date on everything that's going on there. But where we're at right now in the process is they've passed our commission board, and they still have to go to the state, right? They're 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 at the legislature, aren't they? Well, no, they'll go in April. So okay. you know, after the commission passes, it, we take all that and their intent, write the regulation, goes through our legal process, gets signed off, goes downtown. At that point, they'll look at it and make sure that what we're trying to do is legal. It then goes up for its thirty-day public comment period. Yes. And then it moves through the, the process and different uh, subcommittees to make it into a law. And do you feel pretty confident this will all make it through? Yeah, it will. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some comments and we'll have to address those and some things might change. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's the, that's the way government and bureaucracy and how we do, you know, government in this country. So government and bureaucracy can be a little bit slow at times. In some people's opinions, this is going to be effective for this year's deer season, though? Yes, that's okay. the plan. So by September 1st, I guess, right? Yes, correct. Did, yep. that, did that change? The September set the season starts September one this year. Okay, which is another new change. September one instead of the first Saturday. Well, the first Saturday in September is September one this but year. But that's how it reads now, right? Well, the the regulation the proposal of opening September one was tabled actually, so that's going to be brought back up for further okay. discussion. Okay, well, along with a few other things. Correct. But, so some of the changes here, I could read through this bullet point. I don't know. I don't know the best way to do this. Read through it and kind of just talk about each one, or just. 
I don't know. I don't know how what the most effective way to go through these bullet points would be and talk about these new changes. But one of the striking things to me is everybody gets sixteen days of modern gun hunting. Now. Yeah, and it was see, like I said, I'm not a zone four hunter. Mm -hmm. I never have deer hunted a zone four county, so I'm not necessarily sure. But they only had what four or five days. Ten before? days. Ten. They had ten, ten days, days before. Yep, correct. So they got extended to sixteen. Six additional days in both zones. And we in zone one and two where i have hunted we were 15 days before 16, 16. We were, we've always been always been 16 see i look at the the calendar and it's like two weeks plus a day and i'm thinking 15 <laughs> but one of those days is actually doubled up because saturday to saturday is actually eight days so right the way it goes in my mind is just a little bit confusing yeah, the, yeah. the big takeaway is three weekends three saturday sunday weekends okay. for the entire state very good and but so i think a lot of people in eastern kentucky where ehd hit are kind of bent out of shape and I say bent out of shape because I'm on Facebook too much and I read comments. <laughs> and so I see I see some of the things being said. I know that's not everybody, but people who feel like voicing their opinion. Some of them are like 16-day gun season. We just had EHD. This is horrible. But if they really look at the regs, it, you can't even take an antler deer or an antlerless deer during gun season in a lot of Eastern Kentucky. There's very specific days you can take one. Correct. And, you know, if you actually look at that proposal, we reduce the bag limit for female deer. And that's, yeah. that's the whole goal. And with the EHD outbreak, that was one thing we discussed is it kind of looks like we're given more opportunity on yeah. the surface. But when you actually look at it, it's buck only. Yeah. And, you know, bucks, you know, a few bucks can do the job that they need to to keep the population going strong. It's the does that matter. Yeah. So, you know, we increase buck opportunity by giving them more days during modern gun season. And then we reduce the doe bag limit in zone four. So we'll hopefully see a quicker rebound in many of these counties. You know, I think we probably just thinking about that conversation there, we probably do need to go through these bullet points a little bit because, we just talked about a few things that somebody might not know about. So mm -hmm. just real quick, Gabe, do you mind just telling us what some of the changes are? I don't know if you have those pulled up or I have a bullet point list here if you want to see. Yeah, let's, let's kind of roll through them. Um, kind of in my mind, we'll, we'll kind of work from the permits side of things and how you're going to get your licenses and permits to go take deer and then some of the zones. Yeah. Uh, biggest thing uh, on the permit side of things and your statewide deer permit traditionally when you buy that, whether it's in your sportsman's package, junior sportsman's, um, when you get that deer tag that came with two deer, uh, we increase that to... Let's give it a second. Yeah. We'll, we'll start dang helicopters, you know, being right next to this base. It's loud. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I <laughs> 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 hear those helicopters and I think of Better than boom, 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 boom. <laughs> All right, let's try it one more time. All right, so yeah, we had a, a lot of different changes uh, to the entire deer season program or deer season structure. One thing before we get into it, as I do want to say that you know there's a lot of change that we talked about, and this change wasn't just you know put together overnight and and we put this to the commission. This is one thing that I think is very interesting and very very important that our readers see this is that since I took over as deer coordinator four years ago, we have been working to get to this point that we just finally received getting this to the commission. We we did a huge deer survey. We put together a deer advisory committee made up of internal agency folks. We also put together a deer working group of, of external uh, entities made up of hunters and farmers and agriculture committees and insurance agencies, law enforcement, everybody we could think of to bounce these ideas off of to get buy in to make sure we're doing the right thing. So, you know, yes, it, it seems like a lot, but it, we were years in getting to this point. So, you know, I think that's that's important thing to say is that it's been vetted. We feel like we have a very good product that we were bringing to the commission and, and something I'm hoping that will really change and, and move the needle. 
And when you look at this as a whole, you see multiple different things. You see increasing bag limits, but you also see reductions. So there are places in the state where we were doing a good job. There are places we weren't really doing a good job. And how can we modify that to fine tune our management style here in the state? So that's the ultimate takeaway. The way I see it, when I really look at it, it's more tailored per area like zone it's more tailored per zone one zone two zone three zone four and everybody's kind of getting more of what they need for a healthy herd but you were talking about some of the research that goes into these regs right before we jump into them i'm not sure a lot of people have seen what goes on but as far as fawn surveys and deer capture and since i work for the tv show i'm lucky enough to actually sit back and get to see some of that stuff but unless somebody watches the show religiously or probably reads the magazine every single time it comes out they might not know about some of that like is it an iud is that what you use for the? Is, 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 I said that wrong. Close. I, it's um, VIT. VIT. Yeah. Vaginal implant transmitter. And that's what you use for the fawn surveys. Yes, correct. So you'll capture the doe, put a collar on the doe, and then there's a transmitter that you actually implant inside the doe that is expelled during fawn when it when the fawn's born. Mm-hmm. So then we go back in, find the fawn, put a collar on the fawn, track that fawn its entire life to see if it is recruited into the population or if it, if it dies, and then if it died, how did it die? What yeah. you know? What's causing the that that death on those fawns? Then you have the and uh, do. You, Get that doe by doing a deer capture? Correct, yeah. So you got to catch the doe in the winter after deer season's over, catch her, get all that before they drop fawns in June, and then fawns are dropped and following the fawns all the way to the beginning of so archery fawn, season. Fawn mortality surveys and population studies. I'm sure, I'm sure we do some trail cam surveys. And we like generally, like everybody and their brother really thinks they know what's going on with Kentucky's deer herd because everybody deer hunts, right? Right. But nobody puts in the effort of the resources like your, you and your team do. Right, and, and, and I think we think about things differently than the majority of the hunters. You think about how things are on my property, where you hunt, and that, that is to you how it is all across the state or all across the, the county. And I, we think about things at county level or statewide level, regional level. So you got to look at all those different factors and know that you know our deer, what, what affects a deer in Ballard County definitely isn't the same situations and factors that it's going to see in Pike County, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things to take into effect, how our hunters behave, how they hunt, all that goes into it. So um, it's not just as simple as, oh, yeah, we killed this many deer when yeah. the population looks like this. Yeah, the state's so different, too. If you go to, like, the bluegrass, if you go around here, like Shelby County, Franklin County, Jefferson County, the cropland and everything is so much different than if you go to Martin County or Floyd County or Bell County. I mean, it's like a, it's almost like a completely different state. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a different state, but it's completely, the terrain's different, the food sources are different, and that's part of the reason the populations are different, too. But And that has to do with the regs you're getting ready to talk about, but I interrupted you, so... My bad. Let's, no, you're good. Let's go, good. go with some of these rigs here. All right. So first thing, when we think about your permits and your uh, tags that you buy um, and your statewide deer permit, traditionally you you receive two deer on that tag. It can be a buck and a doe or two does. And then if you want to sh- shoot additional deer, you have to go buy this additional deer permit. Hmm. The change that we uh, proposed and was passed is that the statewide deer permit it went from two deer to four deer. Same price. We're actually giving folks more opportunity to harvest more deer the same amount of money that you were being charged traditionally so uh to take away that barrier to give everybody it was traditionally no matter what zone you were in uh, you could at least shoot four deer and so now that will that will apply to all of our hunters well you said whichever zone you're in you could at least shoot four deer traditionally until this year okay that's, so what I said. that's that how that's how it used to be is that yep. you know in zone four all the way up to zone one you could shoot four deer zone one you could take more but um that that was the the four numbers so, so how we arrived at so that. that's one that i think will affect me so basically i buy my sportsman's every year and then typically i'll buy an additional deer permit i usually try to take about four deer right 
excuse me. And uh, this year, if I want to take four deer, I don't need to buy my deer permit, my additional deer permit, because I got my sportsman's, and that gives me four right off the bat. Correct, and you're good to go. But uh, if I did buy my additional deer permit, that would be good for 15 additional deer instead of just two. Right, so that's that's another change, is that additional deer permit used to get you two deer for $15. Now it's $15 still, but instead of two deer, it's going to get you 15 deer. And um, there are so few people that actually shoot more than four deer mm-hmm. that it's very, very limited. And so we're looking at this as really a herd management permit mm-hmm. to where, you know, you've got a lot of deer on your farm. You really need to set back the numbers. And so this is a tool to help you do that. I know I know a handful of people who shoot more than four deer. And those people shoot a lot more than four deer because mm-hmm. they have big pieces of property, 900, 1,000 acres. And it's kind of that saturation level of deer that you just... I mean, it's nothing to walk out into a bean field and see 65 or 70 deer out in a bean field in any given evening. It's kind of crazy. And those are the people who might shoot 30 does. Yeah. I could probably name some names. I'm not going to do it on the podcast. You probably know who I was talking about if I did. And then really there are, so, like I said, so few people. We looked at the telecheck and the history of our hunters and how many people shoot 10 deer, how many shoot 15, yeah. how many shoot 20, and it's it's literally one or two. I mean, it's it's very, very little. So. No, we were really looking at the hunter, that hunter that shoots one deer, maybe two, where we're trying to get them to move the needle and shoot two deer instead of one or three deer instead of two. That's where we're going to see the biggest impact in our changes. And that's mainly just to control doe populations. That's zone one and two, right? So, so it would apply everywhere. So the way it could work is that I could be in a zone three county. And I could I could shoot all four of my deer in zone three. And then I could travel to you know somewhere in a zone one county, buy my additional deer permit and shoot Two more, three more, four more, however you want to. So, you know, traditionally it used to be this cumulative bag limit of zone four, zone three, zone two. You could shoot up to four. Now it's a it's a zone limit designation. So in zone one, unlimited does. Zone zone two, you can only take four does. And so you can bounce around, and, and essentially there's a zone limit instead of a county limit or a cumulative bag limit. And, and that's one of the things I, that. that I've received feedback about that people are a little confused about is the concept of the... Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little confused about it right now still. Like maybe was, I'm not understanding And it, it was confusing well, before. That's yeah. one thing that I'll say is that, well, you can only take four deer. So I could shoot one in zone four, and then I could move to zone three, and I could shoot three more, or, you know, and there was this weird thing. So now it's we try to make it a little consistent, and you're allowed unlimited in zone one, four deer in zone two, four deer in zone three, two deer in zone four and that that you could shoot your two deer in zone four and then pick up and move and go to zone one and shoot 50 if you wanted mm-hmm. to that's that's completely legal or or so, so that's so if i'm a zone one hunter zone one hunter and i shoot four deer i'm not limited from going to zone four and shooting correct. two deer is what you're saying yeah, yeah okay. correct okay well, yeah. That, i think that's the, the confusing thing is we used to get a lot of calls on well i'm gonna hunt part of my season here and then my cousin has a lease in zone three and mm-hmm. What's, and, and there was a lot of confusion about how many can I take for the entire season. And now yep. that I think that'll once it gets ingrained, it'll be easier for people. So I guess one, one place that would come in handy for me is I guess when Zone 4 had that strict limit of a certain number of deer, no additional deer permits were valid there, right? Correct. So I would go on the bear hunt in Zone 4 every year, and that's during muzzleloader season. So if I was somebody who wanted to take a, a muzzleloader on the bear hunt and also deer hunt while I was there, if I'd already killed four deer somewhere else, now I'm good to shoot deer. Correct. During that. So that's, yep. a, that's where it would affect me as a Yeah, that's possible. Previously, you'd have been out, correct? Yeah. If you'd tagged out four, you, you wouldn't be able to do if, that. Yeah, if, if, those two, if those four deer came from a zone two or a zone three, mm-hmm. um, the zone ones didn't, didn't really apply uh, to that four number. But uh, Okay. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And it also came into a, an issue, especially on the 10-day the gun season. So, you know, you were in zone four, you had 10 days, and then you traveled to a zone two and hunted the last six days. That, that bag limit got you there. So mm-hmm. at this point, it's it's just giving a little more flexibility to the, the folks that travel. I could, I could see that one being one where some people are like, oh, we're trying to save the number of does in zone four, but we're also allowing people to come to zone four. But I've, the number of people I see actually going to zone four after killing deer in other zones is very, very, very few. Very, very It would few. have to be an elk hunter who's going on a self-guided hunt and who might decide mm-hmm. to take a or, or something like that. Or like your example on bear hunting, yeah. and I take somebody. Most of the zone four hunters that that are probably that are, that are hunt travel out. So you see mm-hmm. more going out than you see going in. Oh, yeah. Well, it makes sense. You want to go where, I mean, the go most where the deer are. are. So, yeah. Yep. All right. What what do we got up next? All right. So also the youth permit. Um, if you were a purchaser of the youth permit for our kiddos out there, you know you would buy that tag and you got one deer. That's completely unacceptable. So uh, now those those kids, when you buy that youth permit, you get four deer, just like the statewide deer permit. What's the price on the youth permit? Do you know how it compares? Fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, that's good. That, that sounds right. I'd have to check. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's uh, all of the changes for permits. Uh, then, kind of moving through the the structure, we've alluded to this already, but in zones three and zones four. We've extended the modern gun season from a 10-day gun season to a 16-day gun season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, giving a little bit more opportunity to our hunters uh, in those counties, uh, six additional days will allow you to pick up another weekend, also allow you to pick up uh, Thanksgiving, uh, depending on how the calendar falls mm-hmm. in some years. So uh, the 16 days will be across the board. And that's the one I'm hearing the most kind of uproar about is the extended gun season. But I think a lot of people aren't, because there's another reg we haven't quite got to, but I'm going to jump the gun and go ahead and get to it. Yep. I think, let me let Lee pour his tea here. You don't care? No. I'm getting some popping from somewhere. Do you? Yeah, I hear it too. Where's is that it still popping? From? Is it still doing it? Could it be Lee's gum? Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably we, is. We have found it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, all right. So, blah, blah, blah. So, that's one that I think there's that's a little good. bit of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma left it at the house after Easter last night. So my nice. grandma's sweet too. <laughs> Thanks, grandma. Oh Thanks, yeah, grandma. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I ate my leftovers. I crashed them last night. She didn't send any home. Honey ham she... and biscuit. I'll be honest with you. I took a, my girlfriend to dinner for the first time ever last night, and she didn't eat any food. Nice. So I think my grandma was upset. She cooked all this food, and my grandma didn't eat any. So she didn't send any leftovers home with me. Mm. Ticked off my girlfriend. Why wouldn't she? We just left her family's. We went uh, to mine, so she was, was full. Well, sometimes just take a little sliver of bucket pie or something again. Sometimes you just Self- gotta gorge yourself to make people happy. Yeah, no, yeah. I, did, I had to go to two yesterday. I came home. Ooh. I love going to two. Send me a three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. you got the same problem I do. Yeah, I just <laughs> like I just to eat. Eat, eat, eat. I can't stop. But so, like I was saying, so that extended gun season in zone four is one that I seem to be seeing the most people online getting their their feathers all ruffled up about but that's because i don't think they understand one of the other things that we haven't talked about and like i said i'm going to go ahead and jump the gun on it and that is the uh the bag limit changes for zone four correct because people are thinking oh ehd hit zone four all of our, we're already struggling as far as deer numbers going now you're going to extend the gun season yes for sure and and i see that and we understand that and that was an issue that we were concerned about mm-hmm. um a couple of things to think about populations in eastern kentucky where most of our zone four 
were the highest we've ever recorded. So lots and lots of deer. The, we were at the point where we were going to move the majority of those counties to his own three already. Mm-hmm. So they were able to withstand some of that pressure that, of that loss from EHD. Um, so we felt good about that. And then also when you, you had that 16 days, those additional six days in zone four are bucks only. Mm-hmm. Bucks contribute hardly anything to the, the population. It just yeah. takes a handful of those guys to make the population go. The biggest issue is female deer. And what we actually did is we reduced the bag limit in zone four from up to four does to one doe. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, you could only um, take does with during the last three days of the late muzzleloader with a firearm. That's still the case, but you could take up to two. Uh, now it's going to be a one doe bag limit in the entire zone. So whether you're an archer, whether you're a crossbow hunter, youth, you get one doe. Mm-hmm. And um, that will really help that population uh, rebound and really grow quickly is yeah. cutting that number back. Like when you take deer and you're trying to manage the population, does are kind of like an exponential deer to take or to leave. Because they, I mean, they have such a larger effect on the population than a buck does. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, a buck can only service, you know, a few does during the season, but you know, they're the ones contributing to twos and threes, and it really, really mm-hmm. controls the controls the numbers there. I see. I see. So yeah. So even though the gun season's extended, there's it's actually more limited as far as taking female deer, which are the most important to population. Yeah. Correct. The big takeaway from our hunters in Zone Four is, yeah, you've got six additional gun days, but you really need to look at that doe bag limit if you're a doe hunter. Is when can you? How many can you take with the equipment that's mm-hmm. out there? And the takeaway is one. And um, still with a modern firearm, you won't be able to take a doe. The only time you can take a doe with any type of with a firearm would would be the the youth firearms. And then the last three days of the late muzzleloader in December. Yeah. So. Okay, so it's actually a lot more limited than it was. Yeah, we we really set the set it back. So that was kind of our goal was to really get it to pop out of there and get these counties that have been stuck in a zone four forever to get them out of a zone four and into a zone three. I see. Yeah, and an EHD last year, of course, had a toll. And this, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion around here, but I actually look and I pay attention to the harvest data. I'll go through and I'll look at the counties and I see where they're at. And so there was a pretty good drop-off in harvest numbers in some of the counties out in eastern Kentucky last year. You know more about this than I do. What percentage of that do you think is people who just took last season off and kind of said, you know what, they're already getting hit pretty hard, I'm, I'm not going to hunt this year? Or what, what percentage of it's actually EHD? So that's, it's a good thing. When we were looking at the season, we were getting all these reports, and numbers were down. Every season we had was down, down, down. And then we actually looked at participation. And we, we pulled some of the license sales information in the heart of the EHD outbreak counties. And we were down 50% in license sales. So, you know, if the, if the harvest were 50% down or, or 50% of our hunters were down, eh, that's kind of what we expected. We also knew that we had hunters that just said, you know, I passed on some deer I traditionally would have shot. We also had hunters that said, I just went somewhere else. Yeah. And then a, the majority of the seed seems just didn't go. And so all those, I think, play into, you know, we, we, they were smart managers. Mm-hmm. They realized that the numbers were down, they let things go, then they took off the year. It'll really allow us to rebound quickly. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I went out there for elk season, and uh, we saw a ton of deer. Yeah. And that was on that was on public. It was like... <laughs> You're so loud. <laughs> and that was that was on public property. <laughs> we saw we saw a dead deer too as well. But I mean, I, I was surprised at how many I saw because hearing uh, you know the reports of how bad it was and going out there, I expected not to see deer. But I mean, every single day we were seeing deer, so that was good. But I keep getting us off topic. No, no, I think that's no. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just I just go where my mind goes. I have to follow it. So. What what else do we have here? All right, so zone three, we we modified that a little bit as well. So also, you're going to get six additional days to gun hunt. 
but what we did is you can you can take either sex deer during that entire 16 days. However, you can only shoot one antlerless deer with a firearm. Uh, traditionally, it had been two. So cutting back that bag limit a little bit in zone three, um, when we were looking at it, going from a zone four to a zone three, it really was extremely liberal and allowed uh, more deer to be taken than what we were really comfortable doing. So we were trying to essentially blend that that zone four to zone three to make it a little easier to not overshoot or over harvest some of our counties when we make those changes. So uh, a little more conservative in zone four, uh, then also a little more conservative in zone three to make it a little bit easier to transition in the future. So when I see that one, that one kind of tells me that we're really trying to tailor it to each zone. Correct. Because, I mean, you're still allowed to take multiple does with archery equipment, four deer limit in zone three, so only one with a firearm, though. Only one antlerless deer. Oh, that's what I said. Yeah, yep, that's, yep. that's what I meant to say. If that's not what I said, that's what I meant to say. So that's where I'm, I look at it and I say, okay, we're really tailoring it per the zones. Because mm-hmm. that's where you kind of get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, when you, th- when you think about it in, in your county designation for us is I want every county in the state really to be a zone two. The, you know, stepping back off of zone two, zone three is probably the best. Zone four and zone one, you don't really want to be there. You know, zone one, you've got too many does. I enjoy zone one. Zone four, I mean, but as far as management and and proper balance of herd and, you know, conflict with users and socially, you want to bring the number down. Zone four, you know, we can handle some more. So really that's what my goal is to try to give every county that we can to a a zone two. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Okay, so I have two farms that hunt in zone one county. And one of them is like a zone one as it gets. Deer, 30, 40 deer in a field. You see that, and I'm right next to those guys who I said, you know, it's nothing to see 70 deer out in their field tonight. But I also have another farm hunting that zone one. It's pretty well managed. Mm-hmm. You know, I might see five or six deer a night from the stand. And, you know, I've, when I've run my trail cameras, I might have, you know, seven or eight unique bucks on trail camera on, on this given side of the farm. And I feel like it's pretty healthy, but... Yeah, so it, it changes up a little bit in, in the zones, but I know exactly what you mean. It seems like I see much better deer on that farm that's managed well, as far as size and quality of the bucks goes. The farm where I see seven or eight bucks maybe during the season usually has a better deer than I might see the whole season out there at the place that has 40 or 50 roaming the field. And, you know, and that's the, you know, we, we manage on the county level, and there's a lot of issues with that, you know. Habitat's not the same from one side of the county to the other and what they can hold. And, and sometimes there's parts of the county could be a zone one, parts of the county could be a zone four. Yeah. Or we don't even need to be hunting in part of that county. Mm-hmm. So it really, it's hard because that's how we, we think about management and numbers at the county level. So knowing that, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to set the most liberal season that we can. And if you choose to be more conservative on your property, by all means, that's great. You're, mm-hmm. You see what's on your property. You're the manager of that property. So you can, you can you know, cut back than what we allow. Yeah. Now that, you know, it's just this is harping on a point. It might not even be relevant, but I'm going to say it. So I told you I have those two farms. One of them you see a ton of deer on, one of them you don't see that many. The last four years, I've taken my buck off that one that doesn't have that many. You know what I mean? Just because that's where I go to buck hunt. Even though I might have a quarter of the deer there that I do at the other place, that's where I'm typically, and that's where I've taken every, I never have taken a buck at the farm that has all the deer on it. It's actually harder to hunt around a lot of does, too. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot more eyes, and, and the bucks yeah. don't have to move as much. If you're, so, gun, I mean, if you're gun hunting, it might not be as bad, but is it for a bow hunter, like, I don't want all those does around me because it just makes things damn near impossible. <laughs> yep. A lot of eyes looking at yeah, you. Yeah, that's why feeding corn can almost be really – I don't I don't feed corn, but, you know, I did, and I did years ago. And if you have four or five does out there feeding in front of you and that buck starts coming your way, good luck. 
getting, yeah. getting your bow up and getting on it before you get busted because I mean it's it's tough. And then you're dealing with just the dominance issue over the corn and who's going to you know be the leader mm-hmm. of the corn and fighting back and forth and you know, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's not as simple no. as one. Would Ever think. since I quit feeding corn, man, I've actually enjoyed it a lot more. And I'm not knocking on people who do feed corn or anything like that. I know there's that perception, but I just enjoy hunting over trails more. Kind of catching them in funnels or pinch points or just and in just areas where I know deer are going to be passing through. It's just a lot more fun for me for some reason. And I stopped feeding corn out of laziness. That's true. I mean, I was like hauling corn back there like once a week and dumping it out. And then I just got lazy one summer and quit doing it. And I was like, you know, after a season of hunting that way, I was like, man, I actually like this more. Well, I mean, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and we're blessed with a lot of opportunity around here where you don't need to. I mean, you can yeah. not put out corn and still shoot deer and yeah. be, you know, be a better sportsman and, and learn sign and a hunter and actually learn behavior. Yeah. Which is, it's fun seeing them, and when they're coming to a corn pile, they aren't necessarily acting naturally. They might be acting naturally for a deer coming to a corn pile, but to see the deer just passing through, like when those deer are just on their way doing their own stuff, it's completely different than when you got food out there in front of them. I'm a little bit choked up today in my bed, but it's fun. I, I keep getting this derailed. I'm going to try <laughs> to quit. So we just knocked out, and one thing I saw we skipped over were some county changes. That's what, yeah, that, but, that's, but that's something they should probably just look up. Because yes. even if we list those off, people but I think it'd be in, important for our listeners to to understand the impetus and thinking behind it. Because okay. I mean, it's all part of the same goal. So a few counties got switched. Let me just grab this from you real quickly. Uh, looks like a few counties got switched from zone two to zone one, and a few from zone three to zone two, and a few from zone four to zone three, which would actually be all counties getting bumped up. Yes, correct. Um, a zone. And I'll go back to the point that I made earlier that many, many counties that were zone four, we were going to take to a zone three. And uh, we did not move those counties because of EHD and felt that we needed to try to get that population to grow quicker. And uh, so, you know, the majority of the counties, when you look at all these zones, were most of them were threes to twos, which is good. That's good management. Mm-hmm. And the majority are that central western Kentucky Coalfields region. My brother's place is affected by that. Yeah. So. Yeah, the best way to know what zone you're in is probably just to look in the fall hunting guide when it comes out, and there's a map, and it's color-coded. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, it has your color definitions, and you can look and see what your and, county is. And this press release also is on our website. Yeah. So. The only thing with the press release, and I'm sure that all the county changes will make it through just fine, but the only thing with the press release, the, the fall hunting guide is when things will be set in stone and official. Yeah. So that'd probably be your best resource for all this anyway. But right now, we're just kind of going over what's proposed and what's likely going to be the changes mm-hmm. that take place. So but the best way to find out your your county zone would be to look it up on the map going into season what else do we have below the county zones there all right um one thing that we're hearing a lot about is a early modern or mm. early doe hunt uh for with modern guns so the proposal is we created a a uh, zone one modern gun antlerless only doe hunt uh it's for the last weekend in september so this was a was was strictly a management decision that we have not been we've we've never moved a county that was his own one back to his own two i would love to be able to do that in a career in my career and say we were finally impacted the population to get it down and so the thought process behind this is we looked at when would be a good time to harvest those biologically by far the best way to to do your management is before the rut um, get those does off early. It provides better rutting activity. It provides more food resources through the winter. So let's take those does early. Um, we looked at um, also when is the least chance or the lowest chance I have of harvesting a buck. 
and we looked at all the harvest from the beginning of the season all the way through January. And I said, the weekend that we have the lowest buck harvest is the weekend to do this. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at it in zone one counties. On an average, we shoot 82 bucks um, that weekend. Mm-hmm. So very, very, very few deer. Yeah. It changes a lot if you go a week forward or a week back. Yeah. You know, they're, I mean, that late September, every buck shed their velvet. They're kind of nocturnal. It's before acorn drop. Mm-hmm. It's just this kind of really weird thing, transition, transition time for, time. for yeah. your buck hunters that you're just, you're not going to see those guys. The easiest time to kill a buck is either opening weekend, like first week when they haven't had pressure put on them. They're still in velvet, still in bachelor groups and pretty predictable if you've been scouting them all summer or to me. When pre-rest starts coming in, going through rut. Yeah. So you're in a lull right there in that area. It's, it's an awful about. lull for people who hunt yeah. September. You know that is not a really a great time to be out in the woods buck hunting. Yeah. At, at that point, you're still going to have some ag on. Those those are still kind of a patternable patternable time frame that we're hoping you might be able to get out and shoot a doe or two on, yeah. on Saturday morning or Saturday evening. Sunday. Good. So mm-hmm. you no, know, we're we're really hoping that it will actually make an impact. One thing that that I will say is that. Our gun hunters really are the ones who really manage this this resource in the state. Seventy five percent of our hunter seventy five percent of our harvest comes from gun hunters. Yeah. And you know, they're they're shooting their one or two deer during that sixteen day gun season and they're done. At this time of year in September, most of those folks they're out of venison. Mm-hmm. And so the thought process is maybe that, that person who just gun hunts will go out on, you know, Saturday evening and shoot one doe and then they take it home, they grind it, and they'll eat on it for two months and then come November it's pretty much consumed mm-hmm. and they're ready to go shoot another one or two. And we actually might get the hunter who usually just shoots two to take three. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're hoping for. We're not expecting a big harvest, but it's a good time to harvest those. Yeah. And we think it'll be a, a it'll work really well for us. I like the idea of it. Well, you know, I remember when I first started the agency, we had about 650,000. I remember around half a million deer. Now Gabe tells me we're, a million and change. I've heard. I've heard over a million, but I think Gabe just said a little bit ago, right around it. Yeah, right around a million. It's usually uh, right now is our our pre hunt estimate. So that's almost double survival. what it was when I first started. So yeah, eighteen years ago. Yes, that's what so, I thought. I mean, and I'd like that, to see what it was that's before the rest- developed. What was it before the restoration? Not exactly related to this, but I'm just curious. <laughs> we had a couple thousand back a couple in the hundreds. You know, maybe two thousand if you could. Two thousand. You could find that. I mean, we used to have to go drive through Burnham Forest to yeah. see deer. Burnham and LBL probably yeah. is where they were. Mm-hmm. And then you had to look hard, but every once in a while you'd see a doe fleeting or something. You know, <laughs> oh I mean, my gosh! Or a deer track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I can take my dog for a walk early in the morning. And there's some that's on the church property in my neighborhood. <laughs> you know what I was wondering? <laughs> this is this is. I'm gonna do it again. So, uh, you know, a lot of I'm not sure how much of this has to do with. Um, what's what's most of the, the problem caused by overpopulation deal with is it just strictly the health of the deer herd or is it damage to the property or something like that all of the above so you're going to have ag damage you're going to have damage to your ornamentals you're eating your most preferred healthy species of plants that are on the landscape to where deer are now being forced to go eat less desirable less nutritious mm-hmm. food which is going to cut back on the potential their their yeah. potential to they're smaller animals. and less healthy correct right yeah i mean that's the ultimate takeaway you know as as deer hunters we want to shoot big bucks mm-hmm. and lots of deer don't equal big bucks yeah well, well kind of where i was going with that i know a lot of people think about um car wrecks and stuff like that right mm-hmm. so and in my mind most of the deer populations like they're really thick around people are in areas nobody gets to hunt anyway like I can, like the, let's say I go to Lake Forest or some neighborhood in the suburbs of Louisville. It's nothing to look out the window and see fifteen deer mm-hmm. in the backyard, and nobody's gonna, nobody's hiding. I mean, if you get yeah. up early, there's a 
church and a school in my neighborhood here in Frankfort. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Cove Springs. Three or four bow, uh, does out there, and sometimes uh, you'll see a buck in the fall. I wish there was a way to get more access to hunt places like that with a bow. You know what I mean? Like You know, and that's one thing that we, we've talked a lot about as a program is that you know, we've been blessed with, you know, a lot of deer increasing and, and deer everywhere. And we've moved out of that restoration to now management. And then we're dealing with challenges we never thought about. Yeah. You know, how do you hunt deer in the urban setting? And I think every state is thinking about that where, you know, traditionally hunters don't go. The property sizes aren't big enough. Mm. How do you manage deer in a place that they can flourish that you really can't put hunters yeah and, and so there's got to be this you know you know multiple different entities involved with city councils and governments i mean it, it's hard you can't it just takes understanding from the landowners like uh one of the pieces of property we hunted for the show the past two years was an eight acre piece of property in a neighborhood you know what i mean and we had all kinds of luck there, there was deer all over so it was one of those neighborhoods with a lot of deer and uh with the property owner and the landowners around us were obviously very understanding. They knew what was going on and they were pro hunting, which is probably an issue in some places. But. No. And I think as a landowner and you're in an urban area with has a lot of deer, you know, when you can't plant anything because they eat it all, you, you get to the point where you just get tired of it. Maybe mm-hmm. as people start doing their urban gardens more, like we were talking about the local board movement, mm-hmm. maybe as people start doing more of that stuff, they'll care more about it. And I was on a hunt once and I shared the uh, camp with a guy who was from Long Island. And I was just fascinated to hear him tell stories of deer hunting on Long Island. Really? You know, sitting in the bushes and, you know, a lady lets her dog out to go pee and it's running there barking at him. He's kicking at it to make it go yeah. away because he's waiting for these deer to come by. It was just every night I was like, that's something I've never, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to go experience that is, you know, hunt in the city, hunt in mm-hmm. Long Island, New York. I mean, and they're hunting there. And it's, it's really cool. It wasn't New York, but it was a little last year. You ought to look at one of Chad's deer hunts at the Kentucky Field on YouTube where he's in a neighborhood. And from the deer stand where they're at, Jameson's literally the cameraman, Jameson. He's literally videotaping a guy on a zero turn money yard. He's got a dog in a kennel. He's got this person out there washing off his truck. And then here comes the deer. You know what I mean? And, and things worked out fine. It was completely safe, successful in a hunt, yep. and nobody knew shot, the wise. Shot placement's important. You need to be comfortable with your equipment if you're hunting in an urban setting because you don't want that deer to go far. Right. And you want to make sure you talk to your neighboring landowners oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when that deer runs. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And that deer, I think it only went 50 yards. It didn't even leave the property. So. Nice. Very good. And one of the biggest deer I saw killed last year was taken off Zorn. It was a huge 10 pointer. Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Wow. Yeah. Right big, down the river, though, you know. Yeah. River corridors are big, equal big mm-hmm. deer, you know. Yeah. Well, so other places without a lot of hunting pressure, and yep. that's what you get down there. So. And my, my neighborhood is just on top of the, the, the bluff, and then you go down and you're in, in the Kentucky River. Have so. you seen the northern Kentucky buck up in Florence? He's an urban buck. He's a, He would be a state record if somebody huh. got him. One of my buddies was sending me pictures of him in his parents' backyard. He lives in Florence one day, and then it wasn't two or three days later. He's all over the internet. And I mean, he is a monster, monster deer living up there in the suburbs of Florence. And if somebody who's listening to this is from Florence, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because once you see him, you won't forget him. All right, my bad. Let's keep rolling. I'm going to find this picture, though, while you're talking. We missed. It's really controversial. Uh, the special deer hunt program. Yeah. That's um, just R3 branch, though, right? Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. We, we can uh, hit on that. Let's do it. You're coming across a little bit quiet, Gabe. You might want to talk about it. Yeah, I was just kind of. All right. So, we also proposed a a new hunter recruitment uh, program. Uh, We're calling it the Special Deer Hunt Program. Uh, The thought behind this was uh, to 
really promote our R3 activities, R3 meaning recruitment, retention, reactivation, ways to get folks back into hunting, into hunting, um, and, and provide those means and avenues. It's one thing that our agency has really been pushing extremely hard uh, to try to get folks engaged in some sort of hunting. Yeah. Um, with this uh, event, this is specifically geared towards deer hunting. Um, it's a uh, program where we're going to be hunting on private property, all administered through the agency uh, that will allow uh, a program or different organizations to sponsor with us where we would have a modern gun hunt outside of the 16-day uh, modern gun season. So where you could have this um, R3 event in October on private property. Uh, then these these folks that partake would be folks who would meet the criteria for R three. You know they've never deer hunted. They've they've hunted, but they've never really harvested a deer. They're they're learning. They want to, and so yeah. we want to try to offer them a little bit better success. And right now they're doing all these hunts and they're using archery or crossbow. Yeah, and it's just tough to take a new hunter out to try to you know give them that bow, give them that crossbow. You know we don't want everybody to be successful, but you want to have some success. You want realistic standards. Yeah, realistic standards, and so giving that that gun um for those hunters you know many of these these events that we do um they're it's all on private property the hunters the landowners want to be able to hunt during the modern gun season you know themselves so they usually don't let us come on the property at that time so this gives us an avenue to be able to go out and conduct this event outside of the 16-day gun season so yeah. we're excited about it there's not going to be a whole lot of people that taking this but it will really help these r3 efforts that we're trying to, yeah. to push mm -hmm. expect any blowback from that one no i don't think so we'll have all the right sideboards on it to ensure that you know we're not taking a little johnny and who's going to already deer hunt or has already shot 15 deer and mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. there's an application deadline of august the one so if i've got this big buck that just showed up you know, in the middle of the red, I can apply for this hunt and then go out and shoot it. That's that's not what the intent is. This is strictly on the on the R three uh, program standards to encourage and get new folks out and in the field. Yeah, I was gonna say if there's any, any blowback on, you know, so I got I got into an argument the other day. I don't know if this is right or to, for me to talk about or not. But I got into an argument with Brian Blanks the other day about uh, crossbows being legal for the entire archery season. He's very in favor, and I have basically selfishly been against. And I'll, I'll admit 100% like that's a selfish reason for me because I'm a bow hunter and I, I, I just, you know what I mean, it's hard to explain why I'm being selfish about it. But then I thought about it, like what if my little brother could get into hunting, you know what I mean, by using a crossbow? And I was thinking about it that way. Well, if, if that would allow my little brother to get into hunting, something he hasn't done before, then I'd be all for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to look at it a little bit different because when, you know, you just take a little bit different perspective. So if somebody did have an issue with those R3 hunts, like, oh, these people are getting to hunt out of deer season. Well, if they think about it, how it could introduce a new person to it and just take that perspective instead. And it's on private property, like mm -hmm. you said, so nobody's really going to be affected by that at all. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. You know, you brought up crossbows. I think that's something we need to talk about. This was discussed a lot. It was tabled, uh, though, right? Expansion of crossbows, that, that was tabled, and we will be bringing that back up for discussion in the May and June committee commission cycles again. Would, so, would that also be something that would be effective this uh, deer season? No. If, if something were to change on that, in that season that would not take effect until 2019 okay i still um i should be in favor of it now like i said it's only selfishly that i have any reserves towards that but you know as the program manager looking at it um it's about opportunity yeah. it's not a biological issue it's yeah. a it's a personal preference and how you feel that deer should be hunted yeah. um if we allow additional expanded crossbow hunting opportunity we might take a few more deer yeah. but but historically when you look at other states what you see is is people that are shifting from traditional bow and going to a, a 
know, horizontal bow, crossbow, and taking that. They'll take a few more deer. You'll recruit some new hunters, take away a few barriers, but but ultimately it's just a way to kind of, you know, hunt, hunt a little bit longer. You I know? think you could probably see some more does taken that way also. Because the way he's explained to me, the majority of the people who are going to buy crossbows and hunt with them uh, during the, the length of archery season are probably people who only rifle hunt now. So they're going to extend their season by getting a crossbow. That that's that's a traditional thinking, but I mean, if you compare other states, that's not reality. Okay. Is that you're not seeing all these these uh, gun hunters going out and buying crossbows. Ultimately, the best time to hunt in this state is during gun season. Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. you're really not. You're, it's you're, kind of designed that way, isn't it? right? Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you're not getting this primo opportunity in Kentucky if you go out and take archer equipment because really the best time to deer hunts that second yeah. Saturday. Best time to white bass fish is when they're running. You know, I mean, right. It's just the nature of things. Well, the thing that, that has really challenged me is that in our survey, the seventy-five percent of those folks were for expanding to be fully concurrent. I mean, yeah. that's what our constituents wanted. And then also, also that um, you know, I hear a lot from youth, and I hear a lot from females that say, you know, I'm just simply not strong enough to mm-hmm. pull a bow back that I'm that I'm confident that I can ethically take a deer. And I'm not disabled. Why do I have to go get a disability permit that says I'm disabled that's because I'm gonna, not strong enough? That's what I was going to ask and you that's, about. That's that's not what we want to be about as an yeah. agency. Yeah. I mean, we want people to be able to go. And I talked to this lady. She was very passionate about it. Her husband goes. Her sons go. She's like, I can pull 27 pounds, and that's just I'm not comfortable. It needs to be 35 so that, or more. Yeah, and you know we don't have a legal limit, but yeah. it's an ethical choice. And she makes that, and she's like, mm-hmm. I want to go with my family, mm-hmm. and and. And she's like, I am not disabled. And she took a lot of offense to that. And yeah. it's like, and no, and I was like, no, ma'am, you are not. And so I read that really when, when the light bulb changed to me is like, all right, we have this group of people that you know that are the want to hunt, that have the desire to go, and they don't want to be considered disabled because there's nothing wrong with them because they're just physically not strong enough to do it. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at with it. So yeah, I was say you don't have to have an actual disability or be elderly or anything like that to hunt with a crossbow right now. But you still have to go, like, say you're young and can't pull back a compound. You have to get a disability permit. Yeah, so that's the doctor signs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on that, it says that you, the doctor says that you are, you have a disability to where you're not strong enough to pull it back. Yeah. A buddy of mine was in a bad car wreck and uh, gummed up his shoulders and upper back. And yeah. he said knee re- or hip replacement surgery out of him. He was hurt bad and he switched to a crossbow. He just yeah. can't, can't hold it back that long anymore. Yeah. It hurts. I know, know some people that hunt crossbow for, I mean, just getting older. And my brother that, does it just because he likes it. Yeah. You yeah. know I mean? He takes his fun to shit with one. Oh, yeah. and, and the majority of the hunters that, that pick up a crossbow are the, the older the older yeah. hunters that, you know, they can't hold the bow. That, they can get it back. They can't hold it that long. They still want to go. And so, I mean, when you look at all the other states, that's the majority of the users of the crossbow. It's the old and it's the very young. And then, you know, the young, there's there's good data behind this. They shoot a deer or two with their crossbow. They're looking for a new challenge. They pick up an arch, they pick up a vertical bow and move to that. So it's just the, the transition of a deer hunter. We've all been there where you start yeah. on thing and you want to try something different. And that's, yeah, that's essentially true. what this is. Yeah, that's very true. I guess one of the fears I would have with crossbows, and you probably know more about this than me, is that maybe there's a... People who don't shoot bows or crossbows, they think you can shoot a crossbow 70, 80, 90 yards, which Mm -hmm. I see being a bad thing. If people actually do, because I'm just guessing. I have no idea what people are going to be like. But really, you need to limit yourself with the crossbow to about what you would shoot with the the normal, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, because it's all timing and speed of the arrow. Mm -hmm. It's not about, because if you have a scope and crosshairs, you can be more accurate, but a lot can still happen between the time that bolt leaves the crossbow and when the bolt finds its target, which is the main issue with the compound anyway. Well, and that's the thing. What I was going to point out with, with compound is that I shoot, routinely at 100 yards mm-hmm. um i mean what i 
take the shot on a deer that way? No way. But mm-hmm. I'm a better archer for it. Yeah. So just because my equipment can do that doesn't mean I'm going to set out to exactly. do that. And, and that's the takeaway is, that, yeah, you know, you see the, the, the commercials for a 100-yard crossbow. Yeah, the equipment can do it, but you're not going yeah. to because, I mean, ethics play a role in mm-hmm. the majority of what yeah, we do. I told that story in the podcast before about how I would shoot my bow out at 60, 80, mm-hmm. 100 yards. I mean, I had a pin on my bow for 100 yards. Yep, I do too. And then when I was younger and not quite as experienced, I, I shot at a deer at 60 yards one time with my bow. And that arrow never even got close to hitting that deer because she had turned and she made it out of the picture before that arrow was there. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, wow, that deer, a lot can happen while that arrow's in the air and they can, in the air and they can string jump like you wouldn't believe. So that's why I limit myself now to 30 in and well, yeah. I mean, I would probably take a 35 yard shot if it presented itself, but it just hasn't. I set myself up for 20 to 30 yards pretty much. And I feel like that's probably what most people with the crossbow should do. Yeah. They're going to do the same thing. It's just because the equipment does it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Yeah. I just hope that message gets crossed. But like I said, I, I've been on the fence about it, but I'm all, all pretty much in favor of it. You know what I mean? I just selfishly have my reserves, but yeah, I, I'll I mean, call myself selfish. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm, I know I'm wrong for it. Well, and, and going back, you know, this state is mostly private property mm-hmm. and it's up to the landowner and what they want to allow. So if that's true. That's say, true. you know what, I don't want any crossbow hunting. Okay. That's all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, we're not telling you you have to do this just because we make it legal. That's true. You know, I hadn't even looked at it that way because I, I, I have looked at certain things that way, but I hadn't looked at that that mm-hmm. way. Like when people talk about, oh, and EHD in Eastern Kentucky and all the deer gone and how are you going to do this? I'm thinking to myself, well, it's, it's really your choice. Correct. You know, you can limit yourselves too. And make your own decisions. Well, that's the same same goes for landowners and private land and crossbows and what kind of equipment's allowed to be used. I know a lot of people who won't let people bow hunt at all. They just want firearms because they want the likelihood of a cleaner kill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the same thing. So, you reading through to make sure we didn't forget yeah, anything else? Yeah, I was just kind of flipping through and making sure we didn't. Well, if we haven't forgot anything else, we can wrap this bad boy up. You got something I, you want to say, Lee? Um, one thing that I saw, we were talking about crossbows. Mm-hmm. During one of the early elk hunts, uh, there was... I was following a, a writer for National Geographic, kind of shepherding him around, and he went on a hunt with a, um, a crossbow hunter who got so excited seeing an elk that he came back with tears coming out of his eyes. Yeah. And I said, "What's wrong?" And uh, he said, "Well, um, it, it was female. Not, I'm not. It's not that way. She just took uh, an uh, unrealistically long shot." And he said, it, "You know, 15 yards shot of the elk." Poof! There was a big dust cloud mm-hmm. from where a bolt struck. Yeah. <laughs> he, was like, he just came back. He's like, people get pretty excited about that, don't they? I was like, yeah, I think that they do. You know? Oh gosh! But I mean, I mean, I've you know, I've shot at geese and ducks, and I had no chance for them. You know, just because you learn from silly oh, yeah. mistakes. That's like that's part of part of it. You got you learn, and I mean, that's a bad part. Bad mistakes are made, but that's what you learn from too. We've all broken off really expensive lures because we. Couldn't resist one more cast into the tangly brush over there because you ain't caught a fish off of it. Well, that's where the fish are. That's where the fish are. Then you break off a twelve dollar, uh, you know, lucky strike or something. Then it's warm enough you swim for it. Yeah, I, I, I'll go. I mean, I will go risk life and limb for seventy five cents. <laughs> that's <laughs> jig that's my, my favorite jig. That's funny. <laughs> I've been there before for sure, but. All right, that's probably probably got it wrapped up. I'm looking at our time right here, and we're we're, we're doing good. Oh yeah, I think we're in good shape. I think so. We hit the point. We got we pretty much got the information across. We were we were trying to hit on, mm-hmm. and most podcasts aren't really this directed. But we had something in specific we wanted to talk about today. And so one, one last thing that I've I've been around a while, and I've never seen anyone in this agency make a decision that was to the detriment of the resource yeah. ever. <laughs> that's it. Cracks me I up mean, how people like no. I, honestly people think we're like. 
Oh, these government drones up here. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, government bureaucrats that sit in your office and don't do anything. Yeah, man. No, I don't understand. Like, everything is based on sound science, sound research, and thinking for the future, not the past, yeah. to make things better. Like, I've never seen anyone make a decision deliberately for the detriment of the resource. It's never happened. Like Lee's one of the most passionate fishermen I know. I know you're you're huge into all hunting, deer hunting especially. You hunt public land. I, there's nothing I'd rather do than go deer hunting fishing. Like yeah. people, I don't see why people don't realize that we got into these jobs because we enjoy the resources. You know, you know and, I mean? and a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, I've been accused multiple times of this guy's probably not even a hunter, doesn't have a clue. I'm like, all right, come look at my wall. I've never even seen a deer. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm just as passionate and, and, and think about that as well. I mean, this is my life. This is what I do. And yeah. when I'm not in here doing this job, I'm hunting something. Yeah. So, but the truth is, know. though, like we could say this, it doesn't matter what we say, though, people are going to still think that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's unfortunate. But, but you know, it just you, you can't still you, you have to state the case. That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the only just, time we've tried to reduce Asian carp's the only thing that I nuisance species, now that's a different ball of wax, but I've never seen, you know, let's make deer hunting worse in zone four. Let's, <laughs> let's pass a, a bunch of regs to punish people in zone four. Didn't or, you see where uh, let, let's make fishing terrible on Kentucky Lake? <laughs> I mean, I mean There was a rumor last year going around Facebook, which is the most reliable source, yeah. that uh EHD was dropped out of helicopters by fishing wildlife. Yep. That was Gabe's doing. <laughs> it was all my well, the, well yeah. you know, that comes with the fine tradition of dropping the rattlesnakes out of helicopters <laughs> <laughs> to control the turkey population. <laughs> We've been doing it a long time. <laughs> that, that, I've that had people come right and say, I saw the crates. I was like, that's never happened. No. We've never dropped rattlesnakes out of a helicopter. That's never happened. Somehow that sound bite right there is going to be the one that makes it out. Yeah. The one where we go, well, that came from the sound tradition of dropping rattlesnakes out of it. <laughs> We've been doing it for a long time. That's the one that's going to make it out there. Rick, Rick did a great cartoon on it in the magazine one time. Really? <laughs> so, I've had people come up, and, and they are passionate, they're sincere, and, and I'm respectful, but I, you just shake your head sometimes. Yeah. Like, you no. know? If that really happened, don't you think it'd be on tape and mm -hmm. it'd be all over the internet if there's a helicopter with our logo on it and rattlesnakes have a crate or falling out? That's funny, man. <laughs> you know, they tried that in some of the western states with beavers. Uh, have you read any of this stuff? No. Back in the 50s and 60s, they were trying to... What? They tried... Yeah, so so the what they tried, I, mean, I think it was Idaho or Montana, Wyoming, one of these where beavers were just about extirpated out there because of the trapping. And so they were trying to get beavers back in to you know, cut down on flood control, blah, blah, you know, on and on about the good things that beavers do in, you know, in the right environments. So they, they captured all these beavers and built a box and then put the box in a helicopter, drove out and then threw the box out and it was tied to a parachute parachuting box would fly down and then the concept was this beaver would chew his way out of the box and then go on out so that's how they <laughs> beavers into the remote wilderness of, like a I, mission know, impossible I mean, beaver there, there's the, if you look it up on the internet <laughs> yeah he's got his watch on 15 seconds of truth <laughs> but yeah that's, that's a historical fact they tried to man that's hilarious reintroduce beaver by dropping them out of the plane <laughs> the beaver will chew his way out chew his way out of the wooden box <laughs> oh, that's classic. I can't believe that's it. When are we going to try something that crazy? Well, yeah. Hey, we flew elk around in a helicopter. Yeah, that was we did. That's when we went the best close we can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hilarious, man. I never had thought that. I think you, sh you and Kevin should come on and tell that story sometime soon, just yeah. what you all did. Oh, yeah, we should cool. do that, that soon. That was fascinating. Yeah, I wish we could do it right now, but we've already gone long enough today, and Kevin was there for it, so he should. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, we had a crew there, too. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, Kevin would be good for it. We need to have Kevin on anyway. He hasn't been on yet, so 
that'd be good to do. I agree. I need to, yeah, some more stuff coming up. I wish I had some stuff planned right now. I had a Herald Knight on recently. Now you're on. We've had some good, a good lineup here lately. Some good topics. Maybe I need to have Zach Danks on. Sometime yeah, soon. It'd be good. It'd be a good time to have him right now. Yeah. Do a little preview. I guess youth season starts this weekend, but mm-hmm. honestly, I could probably have him on. Well, maybe in between because he'll already have harvest numbers from, from youth season, season next week. So yep. maybe if I had him on next week, we could kind of talk about how good youth season was or how it went, and then go into a preview of regular season as well. We'll have the weather forecast by then, too, so maybe I can get a little bit of info. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday would be a good time. Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, give him a little time to look over the data. Maybe I'll shoot him an email and see if he wants to do that then. But let's wrap this one up. We've gone long enough. I uh, appreciate you coming on, Gabe. I know you're busy. No, it was a pleasure. It was fun. All right. Well, thank you, Lee. No That's problem, brothers. We'll do it again sometime soon. Talk cool. about the elk stuff because I would like to hear that. I didn't get to go to it, but I saw the footage, and it was fun. That's pretty cool.